Welcome to Narratives at Night, your weekly walk through the wide world of true stories. When I was a little boy in the late 60s and early 70s, I loved playing cowboy. I loved getting out toy six-shooters and, 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 or even sticks or whatever, it, whatever it was available to, to pretend to be a gun and, and you know, pretend like I was a cowboy and I was, I was, I was you know, shooting bad guys or we played cowboys and Indians and you know, whatever it was. Uh, I also loved watching Western movies. Saw a lot of them, a lot of Western uh, television shows, Bonanza, Gunsmoke. I'm sure some of that was because my because my father enjoyed those kinds of things, so I saw a lot of those w- with my dad. So I watched my share of of uh, John Wayne movies as well. One of the John Wayne movies that that I watched, and I'm sure I, more than once, um, but it, it, it's not like today where you can just find something on one of the streaming services and watch as many times as you want or, or own the digital copy of it. So I yeah I watched it when I watched these movies when they came on TV, but you know otherwise just out of luck. There weren't VCRs or other ways to record them. You just you either watched them when they were on television, or or you didn't watch them. One of those John Wayne movies was The Alamo, the 1960 classic. I think John Wayne even directed that movie. And The Alamo, of course, everybody knows the story of The Alamo and what happened to to Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie and, and the others. And it left an impression with me, like a lot of people. Uh, you know, it's the, the tragic story of the Alamo. They fought fought valiantly, didn't survive. You know, they were greatly outnumbered and so on. If you guys recall from your from your history, the the Mexican leader who defeated Davy Crockett and the others at the Alamo was a man by the name of Santa Ana. Of course, later Santa Ana uh, uh, is defeated by Sam Houston, but um, everybody remembers that Santa Ana and his, his soldiers come in and, and, and kill everyone at the Alamo. So, growing up, I mean, even as an adult, I, I, all, I, all I really knew about Santa Ana was he he led the army that defeated the men at the Alamo. So he's he's a horrible person. You know, Santa Ana is a villain, uh, and that's all I, all I knew about him. All I really wanted to know about him. Well, last week when I was doing research for the last week's podcast about it's about a short history of chewing gum, there was a little part of that story uh, that had to do with Santa Ana. There was there was a if you've listened to the podcast, Santa Ana was was involved at one point years later after the Alamo. Uh, he was involved in a sort of a get rich quick scheme having to do with some one of the uh, substances that that was used for a period of time to make chewing gum. And I don't want to go back and rehash that whole thing, but uh, you can just listen to that podcast if you want to hear that part. But something caught my attention as I was researching uh, the story of, of chewing gum, something caught my attention about Santa Ana. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, because it turns out Santa Ana had a, had a pretty interesting life. He still was not uh, always... Uh, a noble character, but but uh, my impression of him is 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 much different now than it was, I guess, a little over a week ago. So I would like to acknowledge before I before I tell you about Santa Ana that that the two two sources that I used for 
this information about Santa Ana uh, were from Britannica.com and uh, History.com. And there is one writer. There's a there's an article that there's an article that I uh, found uh, on History.com called Six Things You May Not Know About Santa Ana that had some interesting information on that in particular. And the writer of that particular uh, online article is Christopher Klein. Christopher Klein. I just wanted to give him credit for for some of the information that uh, he compiled about. Santa Ana. You can look that up. It's it's called Six Things You May Not Know About Santa Ana, and I'm not going to share all six of those things, but a few of those I found really interesting. Okay, so Santa Ana. Here are some things that you may not know about Santa Ana that uh, hopefully you will you'll find as interesting as I did. Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana was born in 1792 in Jalapa, Veracruz, Mexico. The son of a minor colonial official, he served in the Spanish Army and rose to the rank of captain. Santa Ana fought on both sides of nearly every issue as it relates to Mexico. In 1821, he supported Agustin de Iturbide and the War for Mexican Independence. But in 1823, he helped overthrow Iturbide. In 1828, he backed Vicente Guerrero for president, only to help depose him later. Perhaps some of Santa Ana's lust for power can be explained by his great admiration of another noted leader, French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte. In fact, Santa Anna once called himself the Napoleon of the West. He was a devout reader of Napoleonic biographies and an avid collector of Napoleonic artifacts. Portraits of the French Emperor adorned the walls of his estates, and his military regiments sported uniforms inspired by the French army. After having seen a portrait of Napoleon riding heroically ahead of his troops, Santa Anna also decided to lead his troops from the front. He even mimicked Napoleon's tactics, making his troops march in the same manner as Napoleon's army down to the precise inch. Santa Anna's reputation received a boost in 1829 when he fought against Spain's attempt to reconquer Mexico, and he became known as the Hero of Tampico. This surge of glory helped him gain the presidency in 1833 as a Federalist and opponent of the Roman Catholic Church. In actuality, however, he established a centralized state. In other words, a dictatorship. He remained in power until 1836, when he took command of the Mexican army and marched into Texas to quell a rebellion. His forces successfully defeated the Texas rebels at the Alamo, and he personally ordered the execution of 400 Texan prisoners after the Battle of Goliad. However, these two victories planted the seeds for Santa Ana's defeat. Remember the Alamo and Remember Goliad became the rallying cries for a reinvigorated Texan army. Lulled into overconfidence by his initial easy victories, Santa Ana was taken by surprise at San Jacinto, and his army was annihilated on April 21, 1836. He was captured by General Sam Houston and, fearing execution, willingly signed an order calling for all Mexican troops to withdraw. Texas became an independent republic. Deposed during his captivity with the Texan rebels, Santa Ana returned to Mexico a powerless man. During the next two decades, however, the highly unstable political situation in Mexico 
provided him with several opportunities to regain and again lose his dictatorial power. When the French Navy seized Veracruz and demanded an indemnity for injuries to French citizens in Mexico, Santa Ana led forces to Veracruz only to shoot at the ships as they departed. Although he lost a leg in the skirmish, he gained enough prestige to act as dictator from March to July 1839 while the president was away. Two years later, he led a revolt and seized power, which he held until he was driven into exile in 1845. When war with the United States broke out, Santa Anna contacted U.S. President James K. Polk, who arranged for a ship to take him to Mexico for the purpose of working for peace. Santa Anna took charge of the Mexican forces upon his return, but instead of acting for peace, he led his men against the United States until he was routed by U.S. forces under General Winfield Scott. Santa Anna again retired, moving to Jamaica in 1847 and to New Granada in 1853. Ten years later, he sought U.S. support in an attempt to oust the Emperor Maximilian, whom the French had placed on the Mexican throne. At the same time, he offered his services to Maximilian. Both proposals were refused. All told, Santa Anna became the head of the Mexican government 11 times. He was overthrown for the last time in 1855. Two years before he died, poor and blind, Santa Anna was allowed to return to his country. He died in Mexico City in 1876 at the age of 82. Now, even though Santa Anna led an interesting life, one anecdote about him caught my attention more than any other. As I mentioned a few moments ago, Santa Anna lost a leg two years after the 1836 Battle of the Alamo when he led a small army against the French forces who had invaded Veracruz, Mexico. Some historians have called the skirmish the Pastry War, but the most memorable part of the story relates to his leg. After the general was severely wounded by grape shot fired from a French cannon, doctors were forced to amputate his leg, which Santa Anna buried at his Veracruz hacienda. After he once again assumed the presidency in 1842, Santa Anna exhumed his shriveled leg, paraded it to Mexico City in an ornate coach, and buried it beneath a cemetery monument in an elaborate state funeral that included cannon salvos, poetry, and lofty orations. Santa Anna's severed leg did not remain in the ground for long, however. In 1844, public opinion turned on the president, and rioters tore down his statues and dug up his leg. A mob tied the severed appendage to a rope and dragged it through the streets of Mexico City while shouting, Death to the cripple! But that's not his only leg story. During the 1847 Battle of Cerro Gordo in the Mexican-American War, the 4th Illinois Infantry surprised Santa Ana, who fled without his leg, a prosthetic cork and wooden one. The Illinois soldiers seized the leg as a trophy piece that they brought back to their home state where it toured at county fairs before becoming the property of the Illinois State Military Museum. Over the years, 
The Mexican government repeatedly requested the return of Santa Ana's artificial leg, but those requests were always denied. As a matter of fact, Santa Ana's artificial leg still resides there today. Episodes of this podcast will be made available every Friday evening on various platforms, including Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Apple Podcasts. To comment about this episode or other episodes, or to hear more samples of my work, go to voiceswithmike.com. To email me directly, my address is mike at voiceswithmike.com. Have a great evening.